family, guess what? It is Thursday. Yes, indeed. It's Thursday. And you know, if it's Thursday, it's your girl, Dr. P. And I am on the pod. Dr. P on the pod. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us. One more time again, we're going to just start off giving God some praise. Mm, 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 mm. Now, you know, this is not a religious show. We are not a religious show. We're not a religious organization. But Connie, you know, we just take the time all the time to give God some praise. We don't have to be a religious organization or a religious podcast. But we sometimes just got to we just got to take the time and just do a little praising. Mm-hmm. And if we are here again on a Thursday, you know, you know, the word for the year is what? Joy. Joy, and my spirit is saying, we got joy in the Lord today. Mm -hmm. Now, those of you who having a little trouble, you know, with the scientific community, y'all don't want to hear all that religious stuff. It's okay. It's okay, because sometimes we just got to mm, do a little shout right there. I am so glad, so glad you all are joining us. Uh, today, you know what? One of the reasons I'm shouting, because we're getting ready to go into the 33rd, mm-hmm, the 33rd National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. <laughs> yes, indeed. The 33rd National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. It begins this Sunday, this Sunday, March the 6th through Sunday, March the 13th. And I know some of you are smiling right there because you have been on this road with me for every last one of those 33 years. You know, I'm always amazed that God gave me a little idea, just a little idea to mobilize the faith community in Harlem to address HIV and AIDS. I was working at Harlem Hospital at the time in a whole nother career. And I just didn't understand why it seems 100% of the people in the hospital was not living but dying of HIV and AIDS. And families weren't coming. Pastors weren't coming. Undertakers didn't want to take the bodies. It was a mess. It was a mess. I mean, mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers would not come to the hospital to cease the loved ones sick. I mean, it was a mess. It was a mess. And some t- somebody would say, Pranessa, it's still a mess. But, you know, in the midst of that, God gave me a little idea to mobilize um, the Harlem community, the Christians, the Muslims, the Ethiopian Hebrews, uh, everybody, the entire black diaspora of religious communities uh, came together. And uh, as we go into this 33rd year, I just always have to give homage to all of the faith communities. Some of them are in glory today uh, and some of them are still with us because they could have killed it. I was not a religious person. I was uh, a woman and didn't have no hair. They did not know me from Adam, but they embraced they embraced me. Uh, and certainly, the you know, we had uh, Reverend Dr. Wyatt T. Walker and Reverend Dr. James Forbes and Reverend Dr. Calvin Butts and Reverend Dr. Preston Washington and Bishop Norman Quick and Canon Frederick Boyd Williams. And I can go on and on and on. And any one of them 
could have shut this little idea down. But thank God they saw something in me. I do believe. Looking back, they saw something in me uh, that at the time I did not see in myself. I just believed that God had given me a little idea to go and knock on doors. And I would go on Sunday and sit in church to introduce myself and stand in line for hours just to say, hi, my name is Pernessa Seal. And we, we are having a Harlem week of prayer for the healing of AIDS. And the only person who knew that we was me and the Lord. That's all I had was me and the Lord. Did not have a dime, did not know what I was doing, but I believed. I believed that God had put something in my heart and soul. So I want to just give uh, a great thank you, a humble, a humble thank you to the faith community of Harlem back then and now, and to the public health, the folks at Harlem Hospital uh, uh, who rallied around me, uh, Jolene Connors and Dr. Mario Perioni and Dr. Joyce Moon Howard and all of them uh, who still at the same time did not know me from Adam, but saw something, saw something. And here we are 33 years later, getting ready to launch the National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. It has taken uh, many different shapes. We went from the Harlem Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS to the Black Church Week of Prayer to the Healing of AIDS. And then about, um, maybe about 10 years ago, we went to the National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS. We changed the name, but the goal is still the same, to pray, to pray and educate, to pray and educate our families, our community about HIV and AIDS. And we believe that that the most influential institution in the Black community still is the church. And so church, please, please do what you do. Thank you for those churches who have been on this movement with me for 33 years. And if you're just getting started and this is your first year, welcome, 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 because the AIDS epidemic is still a major force uh, in our community. So thank you. If you've been praying and educating with us for 33 years, and if this is just your first year, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you know, we must educate, we must educate, and so many of us today, our kids, and so many of all of all ages, we do not talk about HIV like we used to, and the silence is really killing us. So we have to educate, 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 and you know, church, you know, family, prayer <laughs> does what? Mm-hmm. Prayer for real, always and forevermore. Prayer changes things. Yes, it does. Prayer changes things. So I want you to go to the website. I want you to go to the website and get your resources. You know the website, bombingilead.org. Go to the website and get your resources. We have noonday prayer, uh, as always, every single day during the week of prayer. We have uh, a Facebook Live coming up. And I want you to be with us as we go through uh, the week, March 6th through the 13th. I want to give a shout out to my 
my right and left hand, Mr. Carrie Goodman, who heads up this week of prayer for the healing of AIDS. He's just working to put it all together and make sure that all the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. So we want to give a shout out to Brother Carrie good man. Mm -hmm. It's good to have a good man close to you. So thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Carrie. I want you to know that the bomb in Gilead is partnering with the CDC PAC program, the CDC PAC program on Let's Stop HIV Together campaign. I want you to get that. The bomb in Gilead is partnering with the CDC Centers for Disease Control PAC P-A-C-T, program on the Let's Stop HIV Together campaign. And that's what we are going to do. We are going to stop HIV AIDS together. So I am so happy about my guest today. And uh, she's Dr. Tiffany Dyer. Mm, I can't, an epidemiologist ah, from Compton. What? An epidemiologist from Compton. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to talk to her. You know it, sis. Hey, you know it, brother. It's Dr. P on the pod. Dr. Dyer, thank you for being on the pod with me today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. You know, back in the day, I wanted to be an epidemiologist. Mm. Mm -hmm. That was, at one point in time, that was my career goal, to be an epidemiologist. All right. And I actually actually applied to the University of Michigan uh, to become an epidemiologist. And they said... No. You are too funny. They said no. So I went on to become an immunologist uh, there in in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta University before it was um, before it was uh, two schools. Uh, But I am so excited to have uh, the Dr. Diane epidemiologist and and uh, who is with us today. And she d- deals with health. Dis- she's a health disparities scholar, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a health disparities scholar whose research examines the influence of social, psychological and behavior factors on sexually transmitted diseases and HIV risk in black populations. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot I just said. So I'm mm-hmm. going to be quiet, Dr. Dyer, and let you have your way. Tell us what all of that means. And I'm excited to launch the week of prayer uh, with you as you talk about epidemiology and where we are with HIV in the black populations today. I love it. Thank you so much for that very, very, very humbling introduction. So one thing I want to say is I'm, I'm envious of you. I think immunology is, that's hard stuff as far as I'm concerned. So 
hats off to you, Dr. Pernetta. Well, darling, um, don't say nothing to me about immunology today. That was a long, that was, oh, I that was it. a I long it. Was way to go. Gotcha, you gotcha, know what gotcha. I mean? All those, all those days and research and doing yeah. malaria research at yeah. Rockefeller and Sloan Kettering. Don't act, don't even ask me how don't to spell it today, it. okay? Okay, let that go. 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 Um, thank you for that intro. I am uh, Tiffany Dyer. Um, I just do a little brief. I'm, I'm an associate professor of epidemiology. At uh, I'm at the University of Maryland School of Public Health in College Park. Okay. Um, I like you said. I am from Compton. I uh, went to UCLA for my undergraduate degree in neuroscience, and then also my uh, PhD, and then did my postdoc at Hopkins. And um, my focus is infectious disease and social epi, but more specific um, for me is the work that I'm, I do as it pertains to Black people uh, in the United States and some in uh, Sub-Saharan Africa as well, but primarily um, Black folks in the United States. Um, so my work tends to focus on community-engaged research. So again, starting where the community is. Um, I know we all have had uh, experiences, researchers come into the community, they tell you what you need, they do the thing, and then they leave, it's like helicopter research. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I believe, well, I live in the community, and I am of the community. So for me, it's, uh, it's, it's talking to my brothers and sisters about their health. And, and I think one of the things that, we're, that I focus on is intersectionality. So again, thinking about the ways in which people's um, intersecting social position. So again, uh, as you know, when I walk around in the world, I don't think, oh, today I'm black. Oh, today I'm a woman. At all times, I am a black woman. Um, and I'm an older black woman, right? And so I've got these intersecting identities that are beautiful as far as I'm concerned. But in this particular uh, state of, you know, we got this social justice thing happening and a lot of social unrest, uh, you know, based on my being in those intersecting positions, um, I am also, you know, at higher risk, I'll say, for, for things, right, that that you would think that a Black educated woman would not be at risk for, just by and large, of living in a community where uh, there might be poor uh, access to resources. Um, I, I never realized it until I moved here that there was no hospital in the area where I live. And I was like, there's a hospital. And I didn't realize there wasn't. And so my daughter had to give birth. And I was like, why are we driving 45 minutes away? You know, I just, it, I live in an affluent area in Prince George's County, but there's no hospital. I mean, how do you not have, to me, that's a basic service for people, right? So there's one in Montgomery County, there's one in, in Anne Arundel County or whatever, right? But here in Prince George's County, which is primar primarily Black, no hospital, right? And so again, these are some of the things that I that I study, and and I think one of the things that I'd like to point out too is, you know, you've been doing this work like you said for thirty three years, so you know all that's going on, and and communities are just now kind of getting wind of how um, inequitable the resource distribution has been, and it's it's COVID. Has really highlighted something that we've always we've always known as, as Black folks in the community, and that's that stuff happens to us, you know. And it's it's not because we're Black. It's not because of anything having to do with our biology. It's literally the environment in which we are 
subject. Um, Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, so I, yeah. So it's not just, oh, you black, you're going to get something. It's like, no, 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 no. It's because, again, there I don't have any, you know, all I have is fast food in my neighborhood. Or if I have that, you know, but I don't have grocery stores that carry the stuff and everything. So that's, that's the work that I do. And it's just a labor of love. Well, tell us, tell us how your research examines the influence of social, psychological and behavior factors of HIV risk in black communities. So, so what, what, so all of those words mean for me is, and it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a fancy word, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out here. Syndemics, right? So synergistic epidemics. So we've got the social piece, like social position, We've got your social networks. Uh, we've got our environmental, social environmental pieces, um, behavioral. Again, we think about um, substance use, um, the number of sex partners you have, et cetera. Um, and then psychological. You know, Black folks have been traumatized from day one. And so we've got this um, sort of uh, ambient stress that just kind of lays on our shoulders all the time. And so... Um, those types of experiences lead to, unfortunately, to depression, to, to you know, uh, we might not be diagnosed with it, with it but I'm, con- I'm convinced a lot of us are, have PTSD just from being Black and living in an environment that does not honor us who we are as a people. And, um, and so those are the psychological pieces. And, and a lot of times what happens is they, we know people, I, myself. You know, the, these things come together and what they do is they, they exacerbate what happens in our bodies, right? They make us more susceptible to disease. They make us more susceptible to, there, there's a concept called epigenetics, right? And, and this, this concept of, you know, if I'm stressed when I am pregnant, then there are biological things that happen in my body to where my fetus is now more stressed. And then when that person gets pregnant as, you know, so it's like this generational sort of stress mechanism that we need to really disentangle a lot um, with with some of the work that we do. Um, One of the things I also want to talk about is this sense of resilience. You know, I, I, some people, they, they, they're like, oh, resilience. And when I say resilience, I don't mean just coping. Like, oh, well, I made it through another day. I mean, that's one thing, right? I mean, that's how we all feel, right? Ooh, just let me just, Jesus, let me wake up in the morning. I'm thankful, you know, but I'm talking about really thriving, right? Because there are people who are living. And when I say living, I mean alive with HIV. Unfortunately, um, we don't hear about any of those stories. Um, my father was diagnosed with HIV when I was uh, about 94. That's, that's the reason why I do a lot of what I do. And he passed away two years ago from complications of things, right? And so, but had lived with it for 30 something years and had a very full life. Um, but I, I wanna hear those stories as well. So um, I hear from a lot of folks, you know, oh, you talk about risk. It's, it's a term that we need in epidemiology because it's how we derive an understanding of basically, um, I don't, we talk about odds and risk, right? For some sort of outcome. We talk numbers. Um, you have a 33% increased risk for whatever. You know, that makes sense. But when you're talking to folks, they just like, what does that mean? Am I going to get the thing or not? You know, they just want to break it down to me. You know, talk to me like I'm a five-year-old. I don't want to hear all these terms and things and all. I don't care how many publications you have. Shoot me straight. Um, 
And so I'd like to talk about resilience. What about those stories of people who have, despite all the stigma and, and, and intersectional stigma and discrimination and, and things and oppression and things that we just are always dealing with, what are some things that people are doing in our neighborhoods that are, that make them feel good? You know, it could be anything from prayer to, to meditation. It could be chanting if you're Buddhist. It could be exercising. It could be just taking a walk. That's a problem too, because sometimes we live in a neighborhood where we ain't taking no walks. So I'm not going outside. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to do that. But, or there's not walkable sidewalks and there's no green space and all these other things. Again, these environmental things that just, subject us to disparities. And so when I say that I focus on the social, psychological, and behavioral aspects, those are the things that I'm talking about. Um, and, and understanding the broader social and structural processes that impact the health of the Black community. What are some of those processes that, you know, that you see... Um, as it relates to uh, HIV uh, today in our community? I'm going to talk about more of the sort of the structural, so I will say, and social. So I'm talking about poverty. I'm talking about racism. I'm talking about discrimination. I'm talking about xenophobia, homophobia, um, folks having this a heteronormative idea about what relationships look like. Um, I'm talking about incarceration. I'm talking about the fact that the brothers are getting locked up, and 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 as far as I'm concerned, it's 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 um, intentional. So we are, but you know who we are as a community, right? So if you take away what would be known as the head of the household, so in the '90s, the war on drugs and the putting of drugs in certain communities and the locking up of people, then by and large, the community and the structure of that community, the foundation is going to crumble. And that is what has happened in the Black community. And Black women, we have been strong, right? We have had to be the mothers and the grandmothers and, again, generational, taking care of the family, the whole community, um, not just our nuclear family, our extended family, grandmama and them, all the cousins and everybody. We've done it. We, that's what we do is we survive. That's what we do, right? But again, I'm thinking about this resilience. Are we thriving? You know, even this concept of a strong black woman is that's beautiful, but we, we tired too. You know, we don't have no room to be tired because we ain't got time to be having, we don't have time. We ain't got time to be tired. So Dr. Go, Dyer, what can, what can we do? What can we do as we go into this 33rd National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS? What can we do? What can we do? I think what we need to do is engage our youth. I'm going to say that because what we've seen in the research, and I'm not going to belabor this, is that the trends by age in the Black community is that for those 13 to 24 years, it's down 16%, stable about 25 to 34 years. But our young people, they're like Whitney Houston said, don't let me get the singing because I can't. The children are our future, right? I believe in the fact that we need to engage our youth. I'm too old to understand social media. I'm like, whatever, I don't TikTok, I don't do none of that stuff. But our youth, that's how they communicate. So I think we need to get out there and really engage them and stop telling them what to do, but then meet them where they are and say, what are the things that we can do to help you live the fullest life that you can and really reach your fullest 
potential and the way that God and the universe has brought you into this life to actually manifest. So what do we do? Um, I think we need to, uh, again, like educate the youth and educate the community. People know, people know what they know about, about the community, about their own community. When we say community, we don't mean fancy organizations, the long names, all these acronyms. You, you are the community. You walk outside your door. You see what's going on. Engage the church. Most people are involved in some sort of religious organization. Engage there. Meet the people where they are. And let's talk about the things that matter in our lives. And I'll say another thing. When I talk to women about HIV, they look at me, they say, sis, HIV is not my biggest problem. So I think one of the things that we need to do is start to understand, again, those social and structural factors that have put people where they are as it pertains to HIV. Because for a lot of people, that's not the only thing going on. It's also, I ain't got no food in my house. I ain't got no car. I can't get to the hospital if the thing was right there. My kids ain't got no clothes to school. I ain't got no gas. It's just like there's a myriad things that people are dealing with. HIV is one of them. COVID was one of them. It still is, right? And so we just need to meet people and really heal the whole person, not just this, you know, I do HIV, you do STDs, you do alcohol, you do substance use, you do this. It's it's the whole person that we need to really take care of and focus on where they are at different points in their lives because what was stigmatizing for me 30 years ago might not feel the same 30 years later, right? And so where am I now? Where can I, what can I do now to help my community and help my brothers and sisters be as healthy as they possibly can, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, everything. We deserve that. That's what we need. And engage our HBCUs, I'm gonna say that. Engage our HBCUs. I'm sick of, I know, because they don't get no shine. It doesn't make any sense at all. Engage well, well, we must we must always engage our uh, our historical black colleges, yeah. and they they get a lot of shine from me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And me Dr. too. Yeah, Doctor Dye, thank you so much. We are always out of time, but oh, thank you so much. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much, and uh, it is it's been really great chatting with you and listening um, to your heart. Uh, and just listening to what you bring uh, every day, bring to the bring to the community and bring to this work every single day. And we just thank you so much and let us know uh, anytime you want to come back on the pod, mm-hmm. just let us know. And family, thank you me. heard it. Dr. Dye said, we're going we're gonna to keep on doing what we do. Yes, we we're going to keep on talking. We're going to keep on engaging our youth. We're going to keep on engaging our, our churches. We're going to keep on keeping on. That's what we're going to do. Back to be on the pod, yeah. It's the 33rd National Week of Prayer for the Healing of AIDS, Sunday, March the 6th through March 13th. Go to the website, get your resources, tune in to our noonday prayer every day, and make sure you are ready on the first Sunday of March to talk about HIV and to give some prayer. Because what? Prayer does what? Mm, Prayer and education changes things. Dr. Dyer, we got to go. Thank you so much for being with us, family. Thank you for being with us. We will see you next week. And don't forget the word for the year. Don't forget it. Come on, come on. Joy. Oh, yeah. Joy. That's it. Joy. Take some joy with you. 
And we'll see you next week right here on Thursday. Because if it's Thursday, it's Dr. P on the pod. See you. Gotta go.